We're from an ocean very far away. Yup, yup, we came to find the keyhole. The what? Welcome, everyone, to episode 10 of Kingdom Hearts by Heart with Kevin and Marshall. I'm Kevin. Uh, I'm Marshall. <laughs> and today we are going to be talking about Atlantica, which is a bit of a bit of a divisive world, so we're going <laughs> to get all into it. But uh, before that, we're going to have some, some chitty chats, a little little detours along the way. Mm -hmm. um, so, before we get into the discussion of Little Mermaid as a movie, I thought we could talk about a few other Disney movies that we've watched. Because, um, I don't know about you, but I'm in Disney mode ever since we started <laughs> taking a deep dive into the, the Disney movies. I'm... Definitely getting the most out of my Disney Plus subscription. So that's good. I mean, I watched uh, a goofy movie and an extremely goofy movie earlier this year, so I think I filled my quota. But you know, I get the move sometimes. <laughs> that is that is far far above the levels of goofy recommended by your dietitian. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, squeezed in a little uh, a little Disney watching of my own this past week. Uh, I caught up on Dumbo because we did not watch it since it's just a little summon. But um, yeah, I figured why not? I'm in a Disney mood, so I checked it off the list. And uh, okay, oh, you thought Pinocchio was bad? This movie <laughs> is just straight up child abuse the whole way through. It's not a pleasant watch. <laughs> When's the last time you've seen Dumbo? Probably around the same time I saw Pinocchio, so literally probably 15, 20-something years ago. Yeah, first of all, it's only like an hour long, which that's actually a good thing in my book. Dang. But um, he doesn't even fly until like the last five minutes of the movie. I imagine that was like, you know, kind of like the whole plot, but no, that's literally the very end. It's the last thing that happens. I was about to say, it sounds very just like a Pinocchio lying. It's like, it happens once, maybe, if you look closely enough. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's probably because nothing else memorable really happens in these movies, so they're just like, uh, yeah, let's let's go with it. <laughs> and also, his name's not even Dumbo. <laughs> it's not? Yeah, this, is, this would be a great trivia question. You know, <sighs> like, some sort of bar trivia, like Disney Night or something, but, um... No, yeah. his name is Jumbo Jr., which is the name of his mom. Yes. Do you remember there's, like, the gaggle of gossipy elephants? <laughs> yes. Yeah. They're the worst. <laughs> so one of them, like, makes fun of him, and she calls him Dumbo as an insult. But, like, it just stuck. Like, that's how we all refer to him now? Like, what the okay. hell? <laughs> his name's Jumbo Jr. You're referring to him by his slave name. <laughs> It's not even like, uh, here's your nickname you're going to go by. It's just the insult. All right, we're going to call you Dumbo from now on. <laughs> Jumbo Jr., that's fine. That's cute. It's got some alliteration. Like, why don't, why don't we just go with that? And I, could, I can guarantee that started a litany of playground insults for kids with big ears. I know I'm guilty <laughs> of using it. <laughs> so this, this movie is just toxic. 
Cancel Dumbo. Yeah, there's, you know, the animal abuse, the circus. It's just an unpleasant watch because he gets separated from his mom and then she gets chained up in the, like, prison trailer, yeah. basically. And he's, like, really sad and depressed most of the movie. <laughs> Would you know what year it came out? So I'm going in order... And it comes after Snow White and maybe, like, one other that we'll eventually cover um, as an actual world. But it's, it's, it's up there. It's definitely, like, 40s. I, thought I was, I was going to say 41. I'm like, don't think it is 41. Woo! Ooh, nice. I don't high remember yeah. that. Oh, so it's 80 years old this year. Jeez. Yeah. Why are we? Dumb, Dumbo looks good for 80. Look, elephants <laughs> age gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> He's still a boy for some reasons, but we're not going to question that. So, uh, I hear you also watched uh, a little Disney movie on the side. Maybe. After watching The Little Mermaid for Atlantica, I was lazy and didn't want to move, so I said, screw it. I'm going to go back and then to watch something else, and Aladdin was still on my continue watching list. So I watched the rest of live-action Aladdin. I will. I will say... Disney Plus has a knack for that. Like once you're in, you're you're kind of like hooked. You're like, oh, ooh, like maybe maybe I could watch something else. It's like the mm-hmm. Disney hypnotism. <laughs> so I I totally feel that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I can say that live action Aladdin is is pretty good. I think the animated uh, one is iconic. So I don't think yep. people are going to be scrambling to make this their favorite anytime soon. But yeah, I don't think it's bad by any means necessary. I think this was the first of the live-action remakes that people were like, oh, no! Because Aladdin is such a treasured memory for, I'd say, our generation, essentially. Yeah, I think people were still open to the idea when Beating the Beast came out. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, that's kind of cool. But yeah, I think that movie's reception definitely played into the sort of backlash for Aladdin, like, here we go again. Yeah, not my Aladdin. I will say, I don't think I've seen any of the live-action Disney remakes. I haven't seen New Beauty and the Beast. I never saw New Dumbo. I haven't seen New Lion King, and even calling uh-huh. Lion King live-action makes no Sinners. damn sense in 2020, or I think it came out in 2019, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those either. I've seen... I think everyone's seen Alice in Wonderland, obviously. That's going way back. Um, but then I think the only one I've seen besides that is Jungle Book, which is actually pretty good, surprisingly. But I, th- I think that one works because no one really has an emotional attachment to Jungle Book. So it's like, okay, you can do whatever you want with it, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, a, I mean, literally taking a risk on something that people may not know as well or just don't have treasured treasured memories to mm-hmm. anymore or at all basically so yeah yeah give me a live action great mouse detective with benedict <laughs> cumberbatch <laughs> yeah so yeah. fortunately i don't have any other disney live action remakes to compare it to but i mean just like every remake it's a little bit modernized i guess genie's always meant to be otherworldly we talked about this when we talked about original Aladdin. Yep. but one point he does he mimics a mic drop and I was like, that's out of place. And then I was like, wait a minute, all of Robin Williams' uh, 90s and 80s impressions are also out of place in yeah. Mother Frickin' Agrabah. So, like, who am I to judge? Uh, I really hate it when um, movies, especially, like, Disney movies, 
do that sort of thing where it's like a really contemporary joke. That's actually one of the things I hate the most about the new Star Wars movies is, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll like sometimes the characters will talk like characters in 2020. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very weird and it just takes you out of it. So I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like if, you know, Nala and Lion King, it's like, I'm a girl boss. <laughs> it just snaps at you. Yeah. Awesome. From what I've heard, Aladdin sounds like the least offensive of the remake, so. <laughs> yeah. Again, I can't say, I think there's nothing really bad about it. Awesome. Um, One other little Disney, well, multiple Disney things I can shout out that um, were a good watch on Disney Plus are um, if you like documentaries I got three of them for you uh, so there's uh, Imagineering there's like a subtitle but if you just type in Imagineering that'll pop up on Disney Plus mm-hmm. uh, which is a six episode little mini series of basically how all the Disney parks are made and it goes all the way oh. from the original Disneyland you know in 1955 to like present day and it's it's insane like the things that they do and like the technology they use and Mm -hmm. just all the stuff they pull off like it's really crazy so that's an excellent watch especially if you you know you do like theme parks like it's just a really cool perspective on a similar note waking sleeping beauty is a documentary about uh the quote-unquote renaissance period of disney that started with ha 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 little mermaid um, and kind of, <laughs> and kind of how Disney sort of pulled itself up by its bootstraps, and it kind of goes into like the behind the scenes of you know where the animation department was, and kind of you know the CEO sort of restructuring and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's actually interesting to watch in conjunction with the Imagineering uh, documentary because that obviously touches on kind of the leadership of the time, so you can kind of see some parallels behind like the larger sort of business direction, I guess you could say, of what Disney was trying to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And then lastly, uh, it's a little documentary called Howard, which is about the songwriter for, let's see, he wrote the music for Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, and Aladdin. Yeah, I, I, I won't go into too much more details, but... Basically, the most iconic songs in the Disney lexicon were all written by this one man, and this documentary is about him and how he came to work for Disney and his legacy and whatnot, so it's a very sweet movie. Good old Um, Howard. Definitely worth a watch. Um, So, yeah, I am... I am bowing down to the corporate overlords. (laughs) I'm, like, simultaneously, like enchanted by what i'm seeing but also like trying to resist like no this is basically propaganda <laughs> they're they're waving one hand to keep you distracted from the one behind their back that's taking all your money <laughs> mickey mouse has got you covered you have nothing to worry about <laughs> so besides watching a lot of disney i've been playing a few games so why don't we talk about it in Game Corner with Kevin and Marshall. Press start. Alright, so you sound like you have a very exciting Game Corner to talk about. I'm going to shut up and let you talk about it. I think you're probably more excited to talk about it than me, but uh, yeah, i really just been playing the one this week, which of course 
I started talking about last week is Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I still hate that name now that I've played more of it. I feel like they should have called it, like, Episode Midgard or something like that, like, Return to Midgard, like, because then, one, it makes it stand out for, you know, if you're Googling it, because <laughs> I hate having to type in Final Fantasy VII Remake the whole time, every time. Um <laughs> But also it tells people that this is the Midgard portion of the game. So that's just my brain working on marketing at creative levels. But that's yeah, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I typed into Google FF7. And then it had to be like FF7R yep. to make sure I wasn't getting the original uh, for some of the stuff. So, um, yeah, I've been playing that exclusively on... I think I'm 15 hours in, which is about halfway from what I have seen on the game's length. Um, so I'm in Market's, not Market Street, Wall Market. Wall Market! I am with Aerith, and we're we're painting the town red. It's been an interesting ride. So it's definitely started off slow, especially because the first hour or so is just the demo, which I played last year. Um, yep. But... After the big, exciting set piece of the, um... I, I, I don't know the reactor names, but the first one, is it Reactor 5 or whatever? The first one is Reactor 1, and the second one's okay. Reactor 5. Okay. So, after all that, you get dropped into the Sector 7 slums, and the game mm -hmm. really turned me off, to be honest, because I thought it was just going to boil down to fetch quest the game so i skipped pretty much all the side quests there i think i did like one or two and then i was like ah i'm not i'm not into this so then i do just I, do you at least talk to chadley oh god <laughs> <laughs> what a chad yes and that ties into one of my complaints that's been pretty um pretty consistent throughout my whole playtime so far yeah is the you like the menu ui I feel like it's very messy. So you talk to Chadley, and at the same time, there's that guy who's like a quest giver, or I don't know what he is. <laughs> but basically, and, uh, he's telling you to like go check out like all these other people get quests from. And then, oh, Winer, Winer, yeah, yeah. And then right next to them is the girl who has like the monster counter on a chalkboard for all the monsters you've slain. So. In my head, I was thinking, okay, all these things are connected. <laughs> and then in the menu, the pause menu, there's the battle intel, which that's all of Chadley's stuff. Yeah, the battle intel is basically just, like, many achievements of, like, do this thing in combat and then get a reward. So, so that makes sense. But then it ties back to Chadley, who then, when you talk to him, he's got rewards for completing the battle, battle intel. And then he can also respec your upgrades and your weapons... Yep. And he has, eventually, VR missions for fighting the summon bosses. And then when he factor in, you know, the quest giver right next to him, it's just all these systems on top of each other. And my brain's like, I don't know what to do with all this. Like, what's going on? <laughs> so I feel like that was just a really messy way of introducing all these things. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the game definitely could do a better job of just... No, easing you into it, explaining each part, like, one by one, which it, it does do in some respects, but then in others, it's like, okay, I'm overwhelmed right now. I Definitely at the beginning of the game where you are, there is, like, a... There's a lot of tutorials, which is nice. They just happen back to back to back to back. So it's like, yeah. okay, this is a nice cool introduction, but you, you, if I cram this thing in your face in, like, 
five to ten minutes, you're gonna be confused. Yep, exactly. But yeah, I've definitely warmed up to it since then. Obviously, the main gameplay loop is the combat, which it's complicated. Uh, the combat system and I, we we've had a few lover spats, but um, <laughs> I'm definitely seeing the appeal of it more now. So yeah, it's this weird in between of turn-based and real time, and for me. I struggle with what to do in between the turns where you're using your ATP gauge because I don't really know how to use my time most efficiently when you're just doling out the basic attacks because I feel Mm -hmm. like, and it's much easier now because it's just Aerith and Cloud, so you're only balancing two characters as opposed to three, but I Mm -hmm. feel like there's always something that I could be doing that I'm not because I'm trying to build up gauge with another character, so it's just a lot of like basically optimizing you know all your actions i definitely see the appeal but for me like my brain just doesn't really work like that so i gotcha i just feel like i'm not doing enough when i see baird over here with like two full gauges and like i'm in the heat of trying to get you know tifa up to like level three chakra and i'm just like uh, i don't i don't know what i should be doing right now i'm panicking let that man shoot a gun <laughs> yeah so it comes in bits and pieces where i feel like i'm doing really good in the combat but then i'll fight a new enemy who just totally clobbers me and i'm like okay well i guess i suck <laughs> <laughs> well I, I the good thing i realized with the game is if you pause during a fight you can literally say can i go back to the start of the fight and the game will let you kind of go back to the start i definitely use that a lot because it's really easy to just like basically lose all your momentum if you just have a bad start and then i'll just yeah i'll restart like my struggle is i just feel really helpless when like trying to defend against enemies because i feel like a lot of them just have like really big attacks that you can't really do anything against mm-hmm. especially when you're you know little Aerith who's definitely not defensive so i i like try to dodge but the dodge isn't really good i try to block but like that's also not gonna do much so like i feel like there's something i'm missing here i would say it's a uh, i think we we talked about this before well not on the show but yeah yeah remake is a it's a mix of a dodge this but know when you have to block and but because you're fighting new enemies all the time you have to, you know, it takes a while to understand that. And then those also like, you know, the big boss fights that you do one time. So I feel like those are also a negative against the system. Because the game is like, I want you to learn this fight. And I'm like, I'm going to do this fight once, game. What do you want from me? Yeah, it feels very much like it's more about exploiting enemy weaknesses than figuring out the optimal strategy for everything. Which, again, is cool. But, like, it feels like some enemies are definitely designed more frustrating than others and especially with you know like i don't know if because i only have two party party members right now like are certain fights supposed to be designed for a full party am i just like at a disadvantage because it's just the two of us because you know like the vr missions with the summons like you can fight those at any time i presume so like correct correct yep don't make this (laughs) well i (laughs) I haven't talked with, you know, an excessive amount of people about that, but I feel like I did, everyone does the same thing with, like, VR mission, and then it's just you and Aerith, and I'm like, uh... But, uh, hard confirm, you can do the VR missions at any point, so if, once, once you have three party members, you can go and do the VR missions to, uh, to your choosing, so don't yeah. feel like you have to do them. But there is one that unlocks when you meet Aerith, so... 
it's like, ooh, I want to try this shiny new fight now. Yeah, but exactly. Get, but you have two people, and then uh, you get clobbered pretty easily. Yeah, so, like, again, another example of the game just doing things out of order, I feel. So, yeah, it, it was the Shiva fight, and yes. <laughs> I did it even before Earth's My Party, so I tried soloing it with Cloud, <laughs> got beat, realized, okay, well, that doesn't make sense. Uh, but then I did I did get her with um, Cloud and Aerith. But then, um, just this morning, I was fighting uh, a big Chungabo. Big and, Chung. Uh, oh, big Chung. Oh, big Chung. Big, big Chungus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a lovely lad. Oh, I love fat Chungabo. And I, I was doing pretty good. I got him down to like 25% health. But then he started summoning all these little monster minions. And they just messed us up. And I was like, okay. Well, I don't even know where to start with this, because one of the enemies is, I don't know the name, but the little wormy guys that, like, are secretly the hardest enemies of the game, with the cloak. Oh, the Tonberries? Yes. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> they show up. <laughs> you better watch out for that knife! Yeah, I was doing fine, and then one of them hit me with Scourge, which just freezes you, which I hate those moves so much in this game. Like, any sort of sleep oh. or stun. Like, <laughs> and yeah, I died. I just, uh, and anytime someone encounters a Tonberry, it's it, 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 it's never a dull moment. Yeah, although I don't even think this was a real one. I think it was just like a shadow one, so it yeah. wasn't even... <laughs> Fat Choco makes the, the fake bombs, the fake tonberries. Uh, I think there's another one that I can't think of. Yeah, I'll give it another try, but I think that's more suited for a three-party setup. But mm-hmm. Yeah, other than that, the story has me intrigued. I do like how the game is pretty pretty upfront about like there's shenanigans going on with like Sephiroth and Cloud's little flashes. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. I have some theories, but... Yeah. <laughs> We'll see what's what's really happening once I get farther in. Yeah, I think the game really clicked with me once we met Aerith, because she's really nice. <laughs> Aerith is best girl. Yeah, like, Tifa's... I mean, I don't want to boil it down to which waifu do you choose, because I know that's kind of a complaint about this game. But, I mean, it's kind of hard not to compare them. Tifa's also characterized really well. I think just the fact that you spend so much one-on-one time with Aerith really helps kind of build her up. Yeah, she's just she's just a good girl. And also, obviously, uh, hashtag mage life. Uh, <laughs> I really like her fighting style. Like, just her basic hit of the, like, magic orbs is really satisfying, especially because when you get her, uh, there are a few enemies who are specifically weak to magic, so she really puts in work, like, right from the get-go. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good thing. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely liking it. I'm definitely I don't want to say hooked, but I have a lot more attention on it than you know the okay. first five hours or so. So okay, yeah, I think well I think once you get Aerith and Cloud, you have a you have a close range, you have a long range fighter. Uh, yep. And I am really I'm excited that they made Eric's Aerith's melee her ranged orbies because you know in typical RPG fashion the mage wants to cast spells all the time. But in remake, because you have to build, you, know, you still have to build to ATB, but uh, you have to do basic attacks to get there. And like the, her basic yeah. attacks are, oh, I don't have to run up and hit somebody. I can just you know hit people from afar, which uh, I yeah. think was very nice. But yeah, I'm I'm liking it. I definitely want to see where this goes because I know there's like an earth-shattering ending, and I'm sure you're laughing in your seat right now about how I know nothing, Jon Snow. 
Yes and no. Yes and no. Okay. Can say that much. Okay. Good game. Check it out. It's free on PlayStation Plus. I say as I clench my fist. <laughs> but if you want to get a PS5 and get integrated, don't get the free PS Plus version because you can't upgrade for free. That about wraps it up for me. I was gonna. I was gonna put. A, I was gonna put a joke here, but I don't think I played anything. Actually, I did play a f- game that is free this weekend on Steam. Which, by the time this recording comes out, will have been two weeks. So, don't go looking... Well, I shouldn't say don't go looking for it. I think it's currently on sale. A game called Generation Zero. I played it with two of my friends. It's like a... Hmm. It's... If I can describe the setting. It's not, it's an altered... Alternative 1980s Sweden. So, the the story Ooh. is pretty... The I guess the, uh, the back ground is pretty minimal but it's you're a swedish it, like you're either like late high school early college but you uh you go on a school trip and when you come back your hometown like they mentioned like there's there's like war going on when you come back there's no other humans on like your little island nation basically because it's just like a bunch of islands kind of connect together mm-hmm. so there are no humans throughout the entire game but there are killer robots everywhere. Ooh. So I will say the game feels pretty minimalistic and, and very barren. But I also played it with two other people. So, you know, I was also, I was also having to uh, save someone's ass constantly or, uh, you know, a- asking us to, like, you know, group up and go this way. So that, I think that really helped. I think playing this game single player would be uh, a schnooze fest. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it is a looter shooter. There there are skill trees, but I think they could be done a lot better. Like there's there's an action tree, and every tree has like two different paths, but you don't level up quickly, so I could even tell you like how do the skills feel, because I only played three hours and I think I got like a total of two skill points by level five, level six, basically. Oh boy. But the uh, the grind is definitely slow. And it looks like it's a game that takes a little while because the map is pretty big. Mind you, I did unlock a bike, and the bike gave me a big uh, bully from Rockstar vibes. So I like, I like, like that. Like an actual pedal bike? Like an actual bicycle, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fun. There are side missions, and you do feel free to explore the woods. It's mostly like a woody area. But yeah, definitely a game to play with a friend. And I think at the time of this recording... It's uh, about half off. I think it's usually 20 bucks. I could be wrong. Yeah. And then I, I guess I'll speak briefly. I guess I had actually more games to talk about than I thought. But I played the demo for Outriders, which is a game coming out later in the month of March. If this was a demo for a game that was to come out later this year, I would be interested. But uh, this is a kind of janky demo for a game coming out in, in like two weeks. So I'm like, Ooh. Yeah, yeah, I thought I saw a few few headlines about that demo being janky. There are definitely a lot of, like, like I think I exited the game, and it gave me a crash report, and I'm like, I just I just backed out, man. What are, you, what are you talking about? But yeah, I feel like if the game was given a lot more polish, I'd be interested. But for now, I think it's going to definitely be a pass for me. All right. I think that about wraps it for Game Corner. So let's mosey on over for a bit of... Uh, Disney theater preamble to talk about Little Mermaid the movie before we talk about <laughs> Little Mermaid the movie the game <laughs> the movie the game based on the original play. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I watched I watched it last night. Just what are your impressions of the Little Mermaid? So, um, growing up, I don't remember watching Little Mermaid. Like, I don't remember the act of watching Little Mermaid a lot compared yeah. to something like Toy Story or Lion King. But I do remember, you know, pretty much all of it. <laughs> it was just one of those movies that's, you know, just by osmosis. Green. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's a better way of explaining it. I don't have, like, a strong connection to it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. But um, I don't really have a hot take for this one. <laughs> Everything that's been said about it, you know, you already know. Like, she trades her voice for legs. Like, she just wants a guy. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that, that, all, that all that stuff's there. Sha-na-na-na-na, you got to kiss the girl. <laughs> I don't know. It's definitely fun to watch. For me, the movie is super boring in the second half. Like as soon as soon as she gets those legs, like I'm pretty much checked out. Cause like, mm-hmm. I mean, just by virtue of the plot, like she just doesn't have any agency. She loses her voice. She just pals around with Eric on the land, which you know that's what she wanted. So I guess that's good. But it's just not really fun to watch. Aside from, as you were just alluding to, the the musical number of "Kiss the Girl," which I think most people would probably. Well, not most, but I think a lot of people would say that's their favorite uh, song in the whole movie. So, going back to Little Mermaid, there was a little... I mean, the same thing with going back to Original Lad. There's a little bit of a shock being, like, uh, you know, having having not seen the movie for quite some time. Also, Poor Fortunate Souls, it's a bop, it's the best song, Fight Me in the Goddamn Streets. A song I didn't know existed or did not remember, and like, ooh... I can I can mess with this. Ooh. Yeah, it's definitely one that you forget about because yeah, obviously the big ones are Under the Sea, Part of Your World, and then to a lesser extent, Kiss the Girl. Like if you hadn't seen the movie a long time, but yeah, you'll definitely forget that Ursula has a number, which agreed is probably eh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it's definitely one of the standout scenes in the whole movie. Mm-hmm. I I like I fell in love with that song. Yeah, I mean. Just Ursula in general is definitely the best part of the movie, and mm. probably the best Disney villain, I would say, just in terms of fun. Mm. She kind of saves the movie, to be honest. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot else to say about it, really. Like, I feel like, you know, it's a mermaid movie, so, like, you want it, the whole, like, kind of appeal is being under the sea, and, you know, all the ocean imagery, and, like, you know, fish life and whatnot. But yeah, most of the movie, it's just spent on land, and like, most of, well not most of, but a good chunk of it, yeah, it's just like scenery that's kind of played out, like, kind of town square they're in, looks very similar to the one in Beauty and the Beast. So like, I feel like the movie doesn't really play to its strengths, literally, because like, look at Ariel, like, she has this beautiful voice actress, and she doesn't even get used for half the movie. (laughs) So, yeah, it feels like it kind of feels confused in that sense. Like, I get that's kind of the whole point of the story is for her to turn into a human, but just it's just not that interesting of a watch for me. I gotta be honest. I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm not, not like, a uh, best movie ever. I must say, I really do enjoy it. I'm like, do I actually enjoy it? I think I do. The characters, they're, they're not great. So, you know, obviously Ursula's great, like we talked about. Triton's okay. Sebastian, I go back and forth on. Like he can be, he can be a little jerk. But then sometimes he comes around. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll 
he's neutral in my book. <laughs> I would say so. I also, because we've played KH so much, did not realize that his Disney voice actor and his game voice actor, I thought they were the same person, but they are clearly different now that I've gone back and rewatched the original Yeah, he definitely movie. sounds different in the movie, where it sounds like a little off when you hear it. You're like, oh, let's see. Flounder, Flounder sucks. <laughs> I think Flounder is a whole-ass mood, though. I'm just going to say that. He's just so lame, and he's just, he's just there to get in trouble so Ariel can save him. And it's just, uh, and like the whole time I see him, for some reason, I just keep imagining him as his appearance in Little Mermaid two. When oh he's God! Like Middle aged <laughs> and just sucks. What? What? <laughs> okay, as someone who's seen Little Mermaid two twice, I do not remember middle-aged flounder. Oh my god! I think I've—I don't even think I've seen it once. I've just seen bits and pieces. But for some reason, I—I uh, I remember him specifically. Like he's just older. I think kind of like has like bags on his eyes, and I, I think he has a kid or something. So he's like a parent now, and he's just like oh my yeah, <laughs> middle-aged. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Because, yeah, it takes place, like, at least ten years later, so. <laughs> but, yeah, Eric is just a boring prince. Like, they try to do some stuff with him, like, like they try to make him seem like he's deeper, like, with scenes where he's, like, turned off by the statue of himself. But then, mm-hmm. like, he just takes himself really seriously with, like, I have to find that girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm gonna marry her. So, he's a weird character. Like, I'm not really sure, like, okay, is he... Like, what are you going for here? There's, there's not a lot for me to latch on to, so... Oh, yeah, well, I think Welcome to Ed, most Disney princes, actually. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, Eric, tri- he, there is an attempt, so yes. there's there's thought that goes into it, but the execution just isn't all there, in my opinion. Scuttle... I think Scuttle's annoying. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I do not care for Scuttle at all. <laughs> Like, he's one of those characters where when you look back on him, like, you think he's good, but I think people are just, I say people, I just really just speak from my own perspective. I think I'm just remembering specifically the scene, like, the first scene with him when Ariel's, like, showing off the fork. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's cute, but, like, I, exactly. I'm, like, attaching that to Scuttle's personality. It's more about Ariel being, like, amazed by all these human things, and then, like, later in the movie, when she's using the fork as a hairbrush, like, that's funny. But, like, Scuttle himself, and, like, all the other scenes, just like, ugh, just stop. Yeah, I was about to say, his first scene, I think, is interesting, but we see Scuttle way too many times throughout the movie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Max the dog. Uh, I do like Max because he's a good boy. But also, it's it's very funny, uh, the, the dog bark uh the dog the recording of the dog barking to put into the movie uh max always barks three times maybe once or twice he doesn't but most times he barks it's always a like it's always like three (laughs) and i can tell that their dog recording technology wasn't up to stuff in the (laughs) mid to late 80s just because compared to the human voices you know he sounds the dog bark sounds distant because oh sure I don't know, technology reasons, but uh, I thought that was always funny. Yeah. I also like Max's animation, because, I mean, you know, dogs are already fun cartoon characters to look at, but since he's a shaggy dog, like, Mm -hmm. I was just trying to think about, like, how they planned, like, how his hair moves. Like, that was really cool. He's very floppy. (laughs) Yes. So that's good. He's um... he's big, floopy dooge. (laughs) But that just leaves main girl herself. 
Ariel. Ooh. I do like Ariel, but I want to like her more. <laughs> we that. rooted for you. I stood up for you. I was there for you. We all wanted you to win. <laughs> she did. But yeah, at the end of the day, like, she just... Like, that deal from Ursula is so obviously no deal. <laughs> but she takes it for some reason. True. She she gives it to Howie Mandel and she takes the deal. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I will say she, one, she's love. I mean, it's the point of, like, being love-struck. And she's also young. Like, she's, like, supposed to be 16 yeah, totally. in this movie. She's literally a dumb kid. Um, yeah, I totally get that. And mm. I'm not going to hate her for that. But the problem is she doesn't really grow from it or learn from it. Like, really, she gets off pretty scot-free. Like, her dad forgives her pretty much instantly. But she doesn't really do anything to earn that forgiveness. Yeah, and he, he gives them legs. And yeah. just like, yep, you need, you need to be happy, Ariel. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like her character arc is just, it's not complete. So that bothers me. But from what we do see of her, you know, mostly when she has a voice, actually, you know, I, she is fun. She's She's charming part of your world obviously a classic mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah i like the first half of little mermaid the second half i could take or leave so, yeah i feel like she transforms like i feel like the whole land arc is like act three yeah because I, I think i paused it and she, i was like oh we're like more than ha-. i always thought it was like half and half i think her her land arc voices arc uh, her frieza saga yeah. is Probably like the last, like, really only like the last 30 minutes of the movie. The movie's about just under an hour 30. Yeah, it's just easier for me to think of it as like two chunks pre-post legs. There is more ocean than I'm giving it credit for. You're right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Something I also never realized is that Eric shipwrecks back in his own home country. I thought he was stranded for some whatever reason. Yeah, so the the culture of this country seems to revolve entirely around boats. So to me, it seemed like... Yep. Wedding ship, just, yep. Oh. It just seemed like a party cruise, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like they were just out at harbor just celebrating his birthday. It didn't seem like he was coming back from a trip, but I mean... That, that's probably what happened, but yeah, like, when you think about it, okay. he just yeah, they, they showed up mention... on the shore, so they couldn't have been that far away. <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. But I was, you know, it's always seemed to be like, here's this grand adventure we're returning from. Oh boy, ooh-wee. But in actuality, <laughs> you, 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 you may be onto something, I'm just, I'm just saying. One, one final bit of praise I'll get it is I really like the design of the, the castle. Because, yeah, it's it's like an ocean castle, so that's pretty cool. I don't, I don't even know if it's really a castle, but, like, it's it's cool to look at. It's very distinct. Talking about Atlantica? Oh, no, sorry, I meant um, Eric's castle. Yeah. Okay, no, I, I thought Eric's castle, and I was like, wait a minute, he said underwater. Is he talking about Atlantica? Also, they don't name drop Atlantica. That's something I was also kind of keeping my ears open for. Oh. Oh, yeah, good point. Some of these, well, thinking back to some of the later ones, like The Grid and Prankster's Paradise, like a lot of them, like, we have, oh, we have to come up with a name because maybe there's not an original name in the movie or in the development of said story. The Grid, I'm pretty sure, is from the movie. Yeah, the Grid actually is. I'm an idiot for saying that. Uh, Space (laughs) Paranoids isn't. Sorry. 
Uh, well, Space Paranoids is the name of the game. <laughs> that and also that yeah, that's entirely true. I'm just picking bad instances. Symphony but, of Sorcery know. was pulled out of nowhere. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I think most people know that Atlantica is the name from Kingdom Hearts. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're just gonna say Atlantis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, when I when I think about the Atlantica Castle, I can only just think of the. Uh, the penis tower. The penis the tower. Oh, yes, and also, I will, I mean, we'll we'll talk for like two minutes about it. The the priest, the guy who's marrying yep. them, doesn't have he doesn't have a boner this time. Yep, I was going to mention that too. <laughs> yep. So, uh, do you are you up to date on your uh, Little Mermaid penis controversy? I'll let you go ahead and talk about it. Yeah, I'm still not a hundred percent sure if it's deliberately supposed to be a little chungus. But in the original edit, there's a little bob going down and the the priest's pants. And it, it may just be the, the pattern of the fabric. It's an optical illusion. It just bunches there, man. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely stands out. And I'm sure you can Google search it really easily. And I'm even sure there's a side-by-side comparison now that it's purportedly has this newer version. But yeah, mm-hmm. in the Disney Plus cut... His pants are totally fine. Like nothing about it really stands out. So exactly, yeah. but yeah, and one of the original covers, one of the uh, shafts or one of the towers of, <laughs> in one of the towers, it like on the box art, it just look it it looks like a dick. So despite a movie where people most of the time have fish bottoms, there's just a lot of genitalia everywhere. <laughs> yep, I am. I'm looking at it now. How did this get past anyone? Dicks! It's like, um, Dicks everywhere! <laughs> it's like the Minecraft Steve meet victory screen. <laughs> yep. Uh, I will, I oh got something I guess we should have mentioned. This is also, when I think of Disney musical, this is the movie I think of. Well, yeah, music is like kind of baked into the plot. Like the whole opening mm-hmm. scene is literally a concert and Sebastian's role is the, compu- the composer. So that, that yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Although yeah, there's, there's not as many songs as I would have imagined. Like, exactly. There, I think there's a good there's a good portion throughout the ocean part. Um, there is kind of a break up, up until once she get her legs into sha na 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 na, and I think that's the last song before the uh, reprieve of part of your world that is literally the ending. And yeah, I'd actually I'd be curious what like the average number of songs in a Disney movie is. Cause, I remember Atlantic or Aladdin as well. Didn't have as many songs as I remembered. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Maybe it's all just an illusion. Yeah, like what's the over under here? Like maybe Little Mermaid actually has more songs than the average movie. But yeah, that is all I have to say about that. So without further ado, let's <laughs> let's what put we on talk about the game. Yeah, let's put on our sea legs. Let's take a deep dive into Atlantica. Woo! So, yeah, let's talk about their fishy designs. What do we think <laughs> of uh, Turtle Goof? I love Turtle Goofy. With all my heart, yeah. I love Turtle Goofy. Is there a better creature we could have turned Goofy into? Because Goofy, he still has to use his shield. Like an underwater though... creature. Yeah, like my first thought would be a like, what's the correlation? What's the best correlation from dog man to sea dog? But then again, I feel like most things wouldn't allow him to use his shield properly. 
maybe like a little seahorse because then he could kind of like have it like on his back or on his side or something but obviously that would look awkward but that kind of same vibes as dogs but yeah no turtle definitely makes sense with the shield and then i like the motif of it in kingdom hearts 2 with the pride lands so that was a good good move obviously yeah obviously really adorable it is kind of weird how the mammal with fur gets turned into a turtle and then he still <laughs> has the fur on like his little fins. That's kind of weird. Yeah, because he's still like got it. his head and his, his fins are black. So you, I mean, you could you could assume they're furry, but like, yeah, it is kind of it is kind of funky. Maybe he could have been like a seal lion, a seal, a sea lion, actually. I was I thinking that like it. seal or sea lion type of deal. And then I think the same shield, like shield and the seahorse argument comes into my head like how do you use that my first thought would be like just what you said kind of like you'd have to kind of charge at your enemies but a seahorse that kind of has their chest puffed out the seal maybe you just stick the shield on his face cut out some eye holes (laughs) so he can see yeah totally i think the thing i love the most about turtle goofy though is how they throw in his original hat true it is it's it's his original hat not his uh kh zipper hat that's the yeah. exact same shape, but just full of zippers. <laughs> yeah, so it's a nice way to kind of nod to, you know, classic Goofy. So, Donald uh, sprouts six legs. And, yeah, I also like Donald. He's very silly looking. Yep, he's Squidward, he's Squidward tennis balls now. <laughs> the, the one thing I'll say against him is when you're, like, moving and you have the camera, like, directly behind your party... It is a little unsightly seeing his uh, his undercarriage. His butthole. Yeah, that part I don't really like. <laughs> but no, he's cute. And another nice color scheme. And then finally, we have Sora, who's pretty simple. He's just got a little fishy tail. He's a dolphin boy instead of a person. Yeah, it, it took me a few playthroughs when I first play the game to realize he's he's not so much a mermaid as he is yeah like dolphin boy because he's got the little fin and then like he doesn't have like the little i don't even know how you describe it like the waist fins that are like kind of translucent i mean yeah, yeah yeah if you didn't look at it closely enough you would assume he's just a merman yeah but no he's a weird science experiment from donald <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much right off the gate, you meet Ariel and her crew, and you get your little swimming tutorial. So I guess we should get into it. Swimming in Atlantica. Is it as bad as it seems? Dun dun dun. You be the judge. I mean, for our wonderful listeners at home, if you don't know, maybe you're just maybe you're. This is your first episode ever for whatever reason but uh if you have not picked up now i tend to be pretty lenient on most things i very much i don't really hate something like if i hate something you know that it could be pretty negative even when something's pretty negative i tend to kind of find the good points i think swimming in atlantica is average i think it is i think it works yep most of the time but when it doesn't it does feel very bad (laughs) I think the whole Atlantica hate is way overblown. Oh, a hundred percent. 
Like, I think it's more a meme at this point, much like, oh, Donald doesn't cure. Like, yeah, yes, he does. You just, you don't know what you're doing. You're just buying into the hype, basically. <laughs> like, Atlantica is not that bad. Calm down. Yeah. So, yeah, the swimming, like you said, it's average. Like, it's totally functional. Like, there's really not much to it to hate. Like, you go up and you go down. And then you just move on a plane. Exactly. You don't have to, like, actively, like, accelerate, which that's when swimming gets really annoying in games. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, oh, do I regular swim or do I mash the A button to super swim? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, your your perspective's fixed. Like, it, it doesn't suddenly change into, like, 360 degrees, which that can be fun in its own right, but especially at this time, like... Usually that can be really annoying because then your character ends up like upside down inside a giant clam or something. And you're like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah. So for me, I, I have this, I specifically made note of this. I think one, you know, it's very like, uh, you know, it's a, it's a crowd effect. Oh, we don't like it. And it just kind of, blah. it just basically accelerates from there. I think that it is very, it's, it's mainly, it's very different. You go from Sora being able to run around. Yep. jump and do suck sick ass aerial combos to being stuck doing a simple ground a ground combo as i'll call it even though you're completely underwater but you're kind of yeah. stuck you're kind of locked into one i would say play style a little bit and so the momentum takes us it ships it does slow down i think that's where the mostly negative stuff comes from you don't feel as powerful a lot of the time when you're kind of very leisurely swimming and leisurely hitting folks Compared to what we've been doing for the past, that makes what, sense. Five to probably like ten hours at this point. I'll say. Yeah, but I'll counter that with that's intentional because this world is designed totally around using magic. That's why you just got Spellbinder. That's why the Ursula boss fight's all about magic. That's why you got to use magic in this world, and it makes it so much better. <laughs> and I get, you know, maybe some people just don't want to use magic. Well, then you know what? Here's the door. You don't have to go to Atlantica. <laughs> So you have is like not a required world. Both Halloween Town and Atlantica are optional because like, uh. like whichever one you do, you don't have to do the other one. So like oh, after gotcha. I finished Atlantica, I got the um the warp points to uh, Neverland. So correct. Yes, when you beat one of them, Neverland does show up. Yeah, you can you can skip whichever one you don't want to do. But why don't mm. you do that? <laughs> So yeah, I really like this world because yep, I've I've chosen the path of the mystic. <laughs> so I, I, I I'm curious, uh, what's what's your MP looking like these days? I want to say that it was six the entire time, six maybe five, <laughs> maybe, maybe my MP went up one, um, and that's without any poor, magic poor boosting. Thing. That's the that's the I think that's my natural ones without using like a spellbinder. Or, like, uh, an MP boosting equipment of any sort. Oh, mm, I see. I think my first level up in Atlanta was MP boost, which is like, <laughs> uh, clutch timing. So, yeah, I was rocking 10 MP this whole world. So I was Jesus. literally one-shotting every Heartless, and it was great. Like, if you have a good magic stat, like, that's, that's overkill. Like, you definitely don't need that much to make this world uh, go a lot smoother. But, yeah, just use your magic... And you'll be fine, and then, you know, throw in a combo every now and then to build up that, that gauge. But, yeah, I think... I definitely understand that you don't want to be doing this the entire time, for sure. It's similar to how 
I feel about Monstro, where I like it in doses, but I definitely don't want that to be the whole game. Mm-hmm. And Atlantica's kind of built for, like, a one-in-one design, because, like, because you're underwater, like, most of your growth abilities aren't going to translate to Atlantica, so, like, you can pretty much get everything in one go, aside from the White Trinity, but that's super easy to get back to. So you really don't have to come back to Atlantica extensively, mm. like, aside from, like, grinding for synthesis. But in terms of exploration, like, you don't really have to go, you don't have to do a whole lot of extra swimming if you don't want to. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> La- uh, our last episode, I was talking about using Wishing Star, despite never ever using it really in the past. Mm-hmm. This is the world where I was talking about where I was using Wishing Star. So, I tried to mix, I tried just to see what was the most efficient Keyblade to use when mm-hmm. it came to just straight up comboing. You know, with Magic Tostin, obviously, you know, it's not one play, it's not strictly just a press X to win. But I tried Spellbinder, I tried Three Wishes, and I tried Wishing Star. And just just that because you always end a finisher with a combo, at this point I have one combo plus at least, mm-hmm. doing like a 4-5 to five hit combo with a critical at the end will one hit KO um, most of the enemies. Okay. So for Screwdrivers and C-Neons, which we'll get into in a little bit... Uh, that I can one hit them with a combo, but I guess I guess technically that's not even a one hit. But in, but in one combo, I can yeah, be like yeah. bye bye. In one string, I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to look for, basically. Yeah. You, you don't have to follow them up after knocking them away, which I, I do get the frustration behind that totally. Yeah, I was basically <laughs> trying to eliminate that, and yes. I think I did a pretty decent job. Okay, that's good. So hmm, maybe. maybe I didn't give old wishing star enough credit. Definitely, definitely not a great keyblade, but. I decided to give it a shot, and it also happened to work out really, really well here, based yeah. on my my stack growth and where I am. So, you know, get a little sum sum. So your main enemies for this first chunk of the world are just the little sea neons, which are just jellyfish heartless, kind of, sort of. Yeah. They're pretty boring. <laughs> Even just their attacks, like, they just do, like, a little tornado, I guess, and... They tornado you, they charge you, but that's really about it. Yeah, they're basically there to just get you used to the combat underwater, I would say. Like, they're not, they don't really put up too much of a fight, but, yeah. you know, they're, they're target practice. Yeah, they're kind of like shadows. They're always in multiples, so it's not, you know, you face one, yeah. it's absolutely no issue. You face four of them, you might get hit once or twice, maybe, but, you know. Yeah. With that being said, you can... You could start exploring the world. I will say the main knock against Atlantica that I can't get behind is the world design itself. Specifically, like, the visual design. Uh, the color palette is very bland and muted and definitely doesn't match, you know, the energy of the movie. So everything's mm-hmm. very, just a very, like, dark blue. It's just kind of depressing to look at. <laughs> <laughs> it just makes you feel sad. Compared to, like, you know, the movies, especially, like, the Under the Sea sequence, it's just very colorful yeah. and bright and lively, and you just don't get exactly. that in Kingdom Hearts 1 Atlantica. Yeah, like, leading up to Triton's Palace is, I mean, if that was the entire game, like, th- that color scheme, I think mm-hmm. it would have worked out, or not the entire game, the entire world, I think that would have helped a lot. Yeah, with, like, the greens and, like, just, like, the contrast really yeah totally exactly yeah the contrast of the the much lighter coral i'll say corally colors compared to just like the blue rock everywhere do help i mean it pops literally because it's contrast 
But I think, yeah, it helps in the fact that the most of the world isn't like that. Is kind of eh. It, but I also do, I do feel like it gives you a nice dark, dank feeling because there are like little nooks and crannies everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing I'll, I'll kind of say to counter that as another point of praise is mm-hmm. this is definitely the most distinct world. I mean, obviously, because it's the only one where you play like this, but also just the feeling and atmosphere of it. I mean, I guess Halloween Town definitely has a vibe, obviously. But, <laughs> like, you definitely feel underwater in Atlantica. Like, you know, there's all the sounds of, like, the, the like, swimming and, like, pushing the water and then, like, just, like, ambient noise of, like, water spouts and stuff, kind of. And Yeah, I was about like, to try to mimic the swimming noise, but I'm not going to try that. <laughs> And then, like, if you if you ever look up, like I like I go in first person and look up, like you mm. you can kind of see some light from the surface, but it's all very hazy, and like yeah, like mm. you feel like you're surrounded by water, which is really cool. Yeah, it just it just puts you in that mood, you know, of like whoa, like this is like a totally different sort of place that I'm in. But it's yeah, cool. the color scheme. Definitely makes it confusing to navigate, that's for sure. <laughs> Which is 100%. why they literally hand paint the the trays <laughs> yeah. to direct you. You're supposed um, to go this way. <laughs> so it, it does make it annoying when you're like going after all the treasures because it can kind of get hard to like track like, okay, so I've already been here. Wait, did I explore that little nook? So I, I definitely experienced mm-hmm. that and I've played this game plenty of times, so like I still get a little lost. So it's it's not perfect. I will definitely say that, but it gets way more hate than it needs to. And y'all y'all need to calm down, please. So one thing that's cool about this world it pops up a couple times, but the cutscenes will change ever so slightly. So there are two instances that I picked up. Okay. The cutscene where the world logo appears. So. I forget which area will trigger that, but it's one with multiple entrances into it. I think it's like the Undersea Valley. So usually okay. I'll take kind of like the left path, the mm. one that isn't the one that Ariel and friends come from, and then the, the logo just shows up. But, you know, this this time I decided to do something a little different, so I, I took the path that would be like right in front of you if you're like starting from the save point in the shell. Yep. And yeah, in that cutscene, you'll like Sora... And, like, the party, they'll, like, actually show up in the cutscene because the camera has that exit or that entrance in shot. So you'll just randomly pop up underneath the logo, which is, like, I don't know. It's, like, completely insignificant. But, again, it's just cool that they, like, factor these things in. Like, I I guess Mm -hmm. the cutscenes probably render in real time. So, like, that's just where you are naturally when you enter the area. I I would think so, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's, this is the entrance that I always use. I've, I don't think I've ever gone the other way at first. I can say that much. Yeah, so I'm I'm used to um yeah the logo just showing up, which kind of always made me think that it was like taking place in like a different area because again, there's nothing really too distinct about each room. But it clicked for me this time when I saw like Sora and Donald and Ariel in the corner, like oh like this is the room I'm currently in. Exactly. Yeah. So just a little like oh that's interesting, and then the second one is when you enter the pirate ship, that also has a few different entrances. But this one will actually change where the camera's positioned, I think, where, like, it'll actually mm. focus on, like, whichever entrance you um go into, as opposed to, like, a pulled-out shot that will kind of, you know, factor in 
all the different entrances. So, okay. just little touches, totally insignificant, but I just think it's interesting <laughs> that, you know, you can kind of, like, tailor your playthrough, so to speak, with, like, these little choices. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, um, let's see. Why don't we talk about our new party member, Ariel? I don't have much of an opinion on Ariel. The only, the only opinion I have is Spiral Wave, because that's the move she does where she sticks her hands up and just charges forward. With, like, the, the ten-second wind-up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Goofy does something similar. He'll uh, retreat to his shell and kind of move around a little bit. And as, as you, you don't have access to, like, a charge move in this world, I think those two are very distinct. Definitely, you and Donald usually will probably... I wouldn't say hang back and use magic, but you have the option of bashing someone's face in, but also casting spells from afar. You don't have like you don't have like a zero to sixty move like they do. Yeah, totally. I would say Ariel is one of my favorites, if not my favorite party member. So I'm very offended. I'm interested to see <laughs> why is Ariel best girl. So it might just be more her personality than her actual usefulness. Although I do think she's useful because. She's very magic heavy, and as we've established, magic is very handy in this world. So mm-hmm. let's see. She has a she has a thunder spell, right? A thunder potion. Yes, she has. She has. She, so it's funny because we talked about this with Tarzan, uh, that everyone's spells are in their abilities. Yeah. So she has potions as abilities that are her yeah. actual magic. So there's a thunder potion. There's an arrow potion. I believe the other one's just cure potion. Yep. But I could be wrong. Yeah, which is just a a clever way to kind of work that in. Because, yeah, Mm -hmm. you can imagine, like, you know, maybe she picked a few things up from, like, Ursula's, like, leftover potions or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because she's the only only female, so she stands out in that regard, too. It's true. uh, As a party member. But, yeah, I just like fighting with her. She's fun. The music's cranking. We're all having a good time. I find her very endearing with, like, her battle quotes and stuff. Like, someone please... (laughs) <laughs> and like i don't know Here. like don't give up <laughs> like she's just she's a good time she's a good energy we we want her she brings good vibes only <laughs> yeah and yeah like she's supportive so she heals you she'll give you um arrow which is very handy yeah i guess it is really just her personality because she doesn't do too much difference although she obviously has more usefulness because she can move easier in the water, so that spiral does come in handy if she actually gets it off before you just shoot off a fire yourself and then take out the enemy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like her. In terms of like the, the overall story, yeah, I think she's much more... Maybe not much more, but I do think she's more developed as a character believe it or not in kingdom hearts than she is in her own movie <laughs> definitely i can 100 percent say that with certainty yeah like you know it helps that she's is so active and she's not boy crazy because eric isn't in this world thankfully mm-hmm. <laughs> like really she just wants to see other worlds which i think is a really cool way to tie her motivations into the greater plot and then Sora's motivation as well like i feel like probably more than any other party member like this is the one that he actually bonds with the most like you feel like they're actually friends because Sora actually does talk more in Atlantica cutscenes than regular cutscenes and specifically he talks to Ariel more so that's Mm -hmm. always nice to see like they definitely bond over you know wanting to see other world but also he's motivated to help them out because she kind of gets in some deep doo-doo there (laughs) she's more active in the plot 
she actually realizes the mistake she made and she specifically says to Sora, like, I'm coming with you, like, this is all my fault and I have to help. And you're, like, suit up. Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, the story, her usefulness in combat, her just being cute, basically. Um, Yeah, she just really stands out to me as a party member. Whereas, you know, as we talked about, Aladdin is just kind of, Tarzan, he tries, but he's he's just kind of there at the end of the day as well. We'll definitely have more to say about, you know, the next few party members that we run into but she's definitely top tier for Kingdom Hearts 1. I didn't really think about it that way, but as I'm trying to think of everybody, I don't think Ariel's my favorite by far, but I definitely think she is one of the most useful. And in terms of, I would say the last three or four party members feel like a big part of the world. Like, it's not just, I'm going to tag along and pseudo-lee be a part of my own movie. So, Except for have... Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah. But we'll, we'll get to him. Yeah, they all definitely have actual motivations. I think I used her for the start, changed off back to Donald, and then I think I used Donald and Goofy up until the the boss fights. Blasphemy. Oh, this is also me being like, I know there's Trinities here, even though I know there's only one Trinity in this There world. are two. <laughs> <laughs> There's a single one that you have to come back for, correct? Yeah, you yeah. can't access any of them, so <laughs> you're a fool. Um, so, yeah, making your way downtown, trying to find Triton's Palace. Um, I think you'll run into a sheltering zone before you hit the next major story beat, but those are just bigger sea neons. They're pretty dumb. <laughs> exactly. They exist. They do have their big slappy-wappy, which can kind of take you out if you're not careful, but just you really want to just keep your distance with them and pick them off with magic because that's your best shot of um taking them out fully because if you're just hitting them they'll just split up into sea neons which is pretty annoying so you you want to take them out in that final hit and one go as there we go just... yeah i just i had to look up just now because i was like oh i meant to look this up earlier but yes if you don't take them out if you take them out with magic or a crit Yep. They won't. Uh, they won't turn into. They won't split into four C neons. Yes, but if you establish. take them out with just bash them in the face, they'll turn into four. I think you still get EXP for beating the sheltering zone. Yeah, I was but just wondering not, about I, that. Whenever I beat one up, I always wait for it to turn into four neons. So I'm not paying attention to the the EXP uh, coming out of it. But I think if you beat it regularly, you don't get it. But its EXP is equivalent to four C-neons for that purpose. Okay. That's worth an experiment. Yes. I guess it's good if you're grinding for synthesis, which I did pick up a few materials that I was then able to concoct some things. Um, okay. Which, I guess we didn't really talk about that last episode. But yeah, we, we have synthesis now. Ta-da! Which is how I mm. got my MP up so high. But, uh, <laughs> but you can finally put to use all those weird items you've been getting from Heartless. So... That's exciting. Yeah, there's not too much to say about synthesis right now, because all the good stuff is later on the list. So right now it's just kind of grindy, to be honest. But definitely keep an eye out for materials while you can. And my strategy is I'm just kind of chipping away at it and kind of making like two items at a time for each world we go to. Yeah, I think after this world I went back, because I hadn't been back since Agrava. Um and yeah, I think every two worlds I go back and I check to see what I can make. 
just to kind of keep up. Because, yeah. yeah, right now I'm, I'm making stuff just for the sake of. And so for those who who, who didn't know, just in case, because some people may not know, um, the to upgrade, to get unlock more synthesis items, you have to synthesize a certain amount of items. So, yeah. you know, crack away at some of the stuff just so later on you're not trying to scramble for trying to make these things just to upgrade your list further, I think. So it, it pays to go back and be like, because at this point I'm, I'm really making some some of the stuff I'm making is really useful, but some stuff's just kind of like I need to make some stuff. That's why I say it's kind of grindy right now. That a hundred percent. So yeah, just uh, I think cracking at it now while you're naturally getting materials just helps a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I do. It drives me nuts how there's no real like indicator of when you're gonna unlock more items. It'll just happen randomly after you synthesize something new, and then you just check the menu, and then, oh, you have, like, six more items you can, or recipes you can try. And it always drives me crazy, because, like, <laughs> it'll happen even if you still have older recipes to try out from, like, the older list. So then it just gets mixed up, and it just feels like no matter what, like, cause, you know, I like to be a completionist, so it feels like you're always behind because now you just get a whole bunch of new recipes dropped on you, and you're like, could I, could I have at least finished the previous list first? Nope. Especially in Final Mix, they'll throw in recipes that require the stone materials, which are a huge pain to get, because it's from all the uber heartless, so those will be, like, permanent stains on my, my list of incompletion <laughs> until much later. Yep. Because <laughs> I don't want to deal with that right now. So, moving through the world, uh, we get to Triton's throne, and basically Triton's like, who are you people? Because, yeah, surprise, surprise, they stand out immediately, and Ariel doesn't seem to notice. But um, I love how, you know, there's this whole effort to, like, be secret, and mums the word on the keyblade and stuff. And then Goofy's just immediately like, we're here to find the keyhole. You took my line for me. <laughs> exactly. What? Damn it, Goofy! <laughs> Triton's and Triton's and... I'm pretty sure that's his only spoken line in all the Atlantica cutscenes, so way to go, Goofy. You should have just kept your mouth shut. I think so, yeah. He's like, we're here to find the key. Triton's like, what? 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 <laughs> so, let's see. Moving on, uh, Ariel says, hey, come and check out my sweet collection. Wouldn't you think it's complete? So, <laughs> you go to her grotto, and... As I live and breathe, this game is still surprising me with new things. So, there are two little bits that I want to talk about in this world of, like, things that were new to mm -hmm. me. Either they were new, or it's been so long since I've seen them that I just forgot that they were in the game. But in Ariel's Grotto, there's this little dolly, or, like, like a singing toy or whatever. But um, you can interact with it, and it'll start spinning around. And it's so cute. Yep. And I... I completely forgot about this. Like, I did not, I did not register that this was a thing. That was just a nice little surprise. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like, if you don't look for it, you're not gonna find it. But if you do, yeah, totally. Look for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I always like Ariel's Grotto, um, because it's just fun. Like checking out all the stuff and like looking for the chest and like moving up one level and then kind of circling around it and moving up the next one. It's just, I don't know, it's a fun little area. You get yeah. a torn page. I'm about to say, lost page alert. Torn page alert. And I like the detail of there are no Dalmatians in Atlantica. <laughs> <'Cause they don't laughs> because dogs imply... can't breathe underwater, <laughs> come in. 
it's just them being thoughtful about the collectibles. There are actual chests in this world, but then there are also the big clams. Yes, I was just thinking about that because we hadn't talked about it yet. The clams are annoying because they have a really weird hit detection where when they open, if you're just standing there and then like try pushing into it to get whatever the item is, like it won't register. So you have to kind of like scooch up a bit and then go back and then it'll like kind of like refresh the like hitbox basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's a little janky. That's it's deceptively annoying. it's deceptively low. Yeah, but uh, for for the magic users in the room, hmm, it's it is a nice little, you know. Hey, try using fire on this. Hey, try using. Uh, when you do have chests, um, they have like a different texture, obviously, because they're they're sunken treasure, so they're like kind of faded, but you know they're like a little darker because of the lighting. So, yep. So Ariel will have her little soliloquy about, ah, oh, I want to go out and see other worlds. And there's a song that plays during this section, which I, I forget the name of it, but it's the one that goes like, do, 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 do. We're probably playing it right now. So this humming is redundant. <laughs> I remember the tune, d- definitely. I couldn't tell you the name. It's one of the rare 1.5 songs that I think sounds worse, actually, than original. Hmm. And 1.5, it adds the twinkle to it. Whereas okay. in original, it's it's just a piano sound, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think the twinkle really cheapens it and makes it too sentimental and just kind of like, I don't know. It's not as like calmer i guess you could say like take a listen to it side by side um we'll definitely get that name so you at home can also listen because yeah i think the original version is way superior and is actually one of my favorite of the more subtle tracks in kingdom hearts so Mm -hmm. i always just get a little grumpy when it comes up because i'm like oh what have (laughs) they done to my boy (laughs) okay uh flounder mentions something about big fish so I think this is probably the biggest point of frustration for people in this world is that damn, I guess it's a dolphin, right? <laughs> yes. So yeah. I remember really not having much insight into this. Then I realized that Fla- if you go back to Ariel's Grotto, Flounder is there. Flounder is your uh, uh, bighint.com for this world. If you're ever stuck, Flounder will just strip tell you the yeah. hint. So, like, he says, like, there's a real big fish out there. Just have a little fun. Maybe you yep. can ride him. And there's your hint to ride the damn dolphin. Yep. But to ride said dolphin, you have to be out of combat. Yeah. Which can be and a the dolphin, pain. The dolphin travels. Guess what also <laughs> spawns in certain areas? Heartless! Yep. I, yeah, I just have a, such a bad memory or experience being like gotta chase that dolphin oh crap it's heartless beat up the heartless okay i'm good gotta chase that dolphin here's another spawn yep. point god damn it and just yep. rinse repeat rinse repeat and then you want to just stay where you are where you know that you know you already took out the heartless and just wait for him to like make another lap but it takes forever because yep. it's such a huge area so you're like oh screw it i'm just gonna go but then yep you run to more heartless and then he'll pass you again before you beat them <laughs> he'll pass you the minute <laughs> <laughs> You're freaking out. Of, you come out of combat. You'll be like, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> and just just to add some salt on the wound. 
So Flounder gives you that instruction, and then right outside the grotto, you see the big dolphin, so you think, oh, I'll just take him now. But you're probably going to go to the same hassle of having to take out the Arliss first, but luckily this is a much smaller area, so it's not as much of a headache. But definitely, you take out the heartless, you wrap on the fin, and he just takes you for a merry-go-round, basically. Yeah. And there's no reason to grab onto him in this area. <laughs> you have to grab onto him in the the undersea valley, like the 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 giant room, the like second room you go into in the world, because yeah, that's the that's one where, where it will then take you to the um the second mm-hmm. ship room. And yeah, the game doesn't explain that, and it's really annoying. Ugh. It's a headache. I really don't like the way Donald straddles the dolphin if you have him in your party when you grab it. <laughs> I had Goofy at this point in Ariel, so actually I don't see... Oh, does he ride the... Does he ride him like cowboy style? Yeah, he's like... and yeah, okay, he's got yeah. the tentacles, so it's just extra awkward because it's just like <laughs> maximum contact between suction cup underside to dolphin's bare skin, and it, it makes me <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> Like you're not gonna get that that duck off that dolphin. He's a he's a, a rodeo bull pro. If you find him in a dive bar, <laughs> yes. But yeah, you'll ride him to the pirate ship area, which is, you know, it's a, it's a fun Most little ship. visual nod from the movie. Yeah, I really like this quick little section because it's like probably the only jump scare in the game, and it's very Resident Evil esque of. The shark just <laughs> crashing through the window and you just freaking out if you if you're not expecting it. <laughs> yeah. Well when you go into the ship, y'all you see the shark looming, but you don't know that he's about to F your day up. <laughs> yeah. A cool way to kind of just give him a little character moment, because other than that, he's just he's basically just another enemy. He's very much the um the uh Sabor equivalent Sabor. of this world. <laughs> yeah. The Sabor of the Sea. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, after he, you know, has his little, little entrance, uh, you're good to go. So you'll open the chest and you, you get this mysterious crystalline object and, hmm, its shape reminds me of something. <laughs> but I don't know what to be honest with you. Do, do we know anything that looks like this with like three points and it's kind of like one in the middle and then two on the sides? Like Ah, uh, yes, a five dent. <laughs> So you get the crystal tridents, and then I like the effect of, I think it's the only treasure chest in the game, probably because it's like a key item and the item is actually rendered in it. But after you Mm. grab the trident, that chest stays on the overworld. Yes, it does. Oh, which is very interesting. So, Mm -hmm. shark fight. So I will say my magic, it wasn't super handy in the shark fight because he's a big boy. Um... So as soon as I get out, I always cast Arrow because I know he's going to chomp pretty hard on me. Yep. And he, he's basically like one hit kill if you don't have it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I try to stay my distance and then I was like picking him off with fire. He'll basically charge at you and then fire has a little bit of end lag. So like he'll he'll usually he, or like he usually was able to hit me when I was taking that approach. But um. There's mm-hmm. one part where I was casting fire, and I, I almost feel like that kind of, like, aggros him and, like, draws his attention to you, and then, then it'll, it'll, like, prompt the charge move. But if you manage to avoid the charge, but then position yourself, like, right in front of a wall, very much like, yeah. you know, uh, a bullfighter, he'll yeah. charge at the wall, and he'll collide with it. And there's, like, a specific animation for it where he's, like, kind of 
it's almost like his like a like a Tom and Jerry skit where like his teeth are like crunched onto the wall basically. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he like gets stuck to the wall. It's insane. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah, I I did get a screenshot of it. Luckily, solid evidence. Yeah, it's it's not quite like it's like when he's like kind of recovering from it, but you can still see what's going on. But mm-hmm. yeah, I I don't know if I've ever seen that, and it's crazy. Yeah, one thing I like about this area is it connects back to the area outside of Ariel's Grotto. So correct. If you remember, we saw a uh, a big chestus. Mm-hmm. And in the sunken ship area, there's a geyser that you hit, and then it'll sploop up the water, and then it'll pop out the big chest from the bottom, and then, ta-da, you have a little hole leading right back to that area. You can then open the big chestus. Can you? I don't think I did. What? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, you can totally open it. And then it, it has, like, pretty good item in it, so why don't you go get that? Okay, I gotta go get that item. Oh, it never clicked to me that there was ever an item... In the big chest. Yeah, totally. To me, it's not a regular sized chest, therefore I can't open it, is my my mental process. Yeah, there's really no reason to think that you could open it, but I think just just like kind of swimming by it, you'll notice the prompt. Um, okay. Yeah, check it out. Uh, now that you're back at the grotto, Ariel finally puts two and two together and realizes, oh, this is like that weird indentation I have of a trident. And then they just sit around and admire it, but Triton uh, hates it when you have fun. So he shows up and ruins everything. Mm-hmm. Hey, so uh, that was a bit of an overreaction. So yeah, very much mimicking the scene in the movie where he very rudely uh, just destroys everything in Arrow's Grotto. And then she runs away crying, basically. But then, yep, we get a very interesting scene where Triton lets on that he knows what a keyblade is, and he knows what a keyhole is, and he knows that y'all ain't from around these parts. You he better... got this ish on lock. <laughs> he know. He yeah. know! Which is, it's interesting. I just, again, I mean, he's one of the few characters that understands what's going on as a whole, or maybe doesn't understand what's going on as a whole, but understands the concept of the key bear. Yep. And... Uh, a keyhole, obviously. It is his kingdom, it's his world. Yeah, I think he is the first person like, you know, this is my kingdom, my domain, so obviously I understand everything that's going on, or I should understand all the important biddies. So if you think about it, it makes sense, but it's the, he's the first, like, whiplash of, like, boy, you ain't from another ocean. Yeah, like, it makes me wonder if it's kind of, like, you know, the different kings sort of pass on this knowledge. They're like, okay, you're you're in the cool kids club now. So, you know, like how the president knows that aliens are a thing. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, it's cool. So I tried looking up if, like, there are any, like, official, you know, Nomura comments on this. And I didn't see anything. But most people speculate that it's very much the same vein as... um uh, Kyrie's grandma knows the story about what really went down. So it's kind of like a fairy tale that was passed around. and So, like, Triton may have picked it up from that. Which, uh-huh. yeah, I, I guess that makes the most sense. But I feel like there's more of a story here. But I'm 99% sure we will never know what it is. <laughs> Sounds about right. Because, <laughs> again, Kingdom Hearts 1 operates in its own lane. And I don't think current Nomura would really want 
to draw such a specific connection between random Disney characters and, you know, the larger Keyblade plot, so. Yeah. Yeah, but still really cool. Fun little nod. It always it always makes this world stick out to me, um, that cutscene. 100%. Meanwhile, uh, Ariel's pouting, and the most pointless room in Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> There's a single clam in there! Yep. So, one thing that was interesting is the eels, they, like, wind into each other and then turn into Ursula. And I mm-hmm. thought for sure that would be, like, something pulled from the movie, but no. That that doesn't happen in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, they, yep. they take her to Ursula, so... That was some interesting, uh, that was, that was a cool idea on their part, because I definitely believe that that was, like, it very much fit in with her character. Oh, 100%. So it's surprising that it's here, but not in the actual movie. Yeah. Yeah, Ursula shows up, and she cajoles Ariel into her devious plan. Yeah, I love the cutscene of when Ariel's taking the trident, because then it cuts back to, like, the hall. And then Ursula just just very stealthily just creeps out from behind the pole. She's like, she just floating there. Yeah, it's like the exact same uh, deal as one of the League of Villains cutscenes where she's just hiding in the background. But like, you can clearly see this giant silhouette of the octopus woman. Yep. <laughs> she gets the trident, and then stuff gets real. We're in the end game now. In terms of, uh, we have our marching orders to. Head for the boss. I think maybe a little earlier than this, the uh, the screwdriver heartless appear. So why don't we why don't we talk about those little fellas? Yeah, at this point, after this cutscene, the aqua tanks start to show up. So I think yes. this is a good point. We got screwdrivers early. Yeah. So screwdrivers are very. I like their design. They're very like mer monster, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like they definitely look like sea creatures, but like corrupted sea creatures look like they'll mess you up if you're not careful so i dig it oh yeah, yeah. exactly they almost feel like uh cursed divers a little bit because they have like you know they have, like, yeah. kind of a scuba diver design a little bit as well yep and they got like the little um uh harpoons mm. yeah they're a cool design and they're interesting because they don't appear anywhere else so you know that makes sense because yep. they're sumi sumi heartless <laughs> yeah Every Atlantica Heartless except for Search Ghost are exclusive to Atlantica. Wait a minute. Is it Screw Diver or Screw Driver? <gasps> I'm, I it's, went... It's the Mandela effect. <laughs> it is. I'm looking at it now. It, it says Screw Diver. That oh makes sense. Oh my god. Yep. Because I went to the trivia section. It's like, it's a pun on Screwdriver. And I'm like, yeah, the name's Screwdriver. What are you talking yeah. about? And I looked up <laughs> and I'm like, no, it's Screw Diver. Yeah, I, I definitely wrote it as screwdriver, so egg on my face. <laughs> so yeah, they're good. They are immune to thunder. In fact, it will heal them, similar to the mages, so you don't want to use thunder on them, which is clever, because exactly, yeah. thunder is probably the most useful spell in Atlantica, because it's a clou- uh, an AoE, so you're probably mm-hmm. going to want to be doing that naturally, and then... Ha, surprise, surprise, here's this heartless who they they want you to bring the thunder. You gotta switch to blizzard for them. Mm-hmm. And then they like to travel in packs with uh, their big bouncer, the Aqua Tank. Which, I mean, yeah, big fish, but uh, I like it. It's very round, which is aesthetically pleasing Rotund to me. Even. Yeah, 
big mouth, big chomp, and it's got the um, uh, light lure from like anglerfish. That's that's a nice touch. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, good design. Um, and I, I always appreciate a big heartless because then they usually drop big items, so it's really satisfying mm -hmm. to like collect Definitely. after you beat them. Yeah, good good batch of heartless and landca for sure. Yeah, are they all? I guess the search ghost is the only thing that we've seen before, so it's four yeah. out of five are new boys and exclusive because of water. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like that's a good a good reason to introduce a bunch of original heartless. Mm -hmm. And the search ghosts kind of just, they just fit in because they're floaty boys. Yeah, they're they're sailors who died at sea. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I just by playing the game I know that screwdrivers absorb thunder. Uh, I've never tried because of that I just don't use thunder. When there's a screwdriver, a screwdriver in the fight. Sorry, mm -hmm. uh, I always thought the aqua tanks absorbed electric, yeah, uh, absorbed yeah. thunder, and they just, despite the fact that they use thunder on you. Yeah, you would totally think so. Like you'd imagine, like, oh, they absorb it in that antenna, because you know, lantern logic, I guess. <laughs> yep, but apparently no. Although... Yeah, yeah, like very much like fat bandits, where they use the elements, but they're not invulnerable to it. So exactly. So yeah, we are headed toward the lair of Ursula. There's the area before the like giant fish carcass, whatever you call that. And I never really appreciated how cool this area actually is. So it's the one behind the wall that you use to uh, Sebastian to access, but um, it's the area with like the lava vents, basically. It's, I think I think it's the- um, Den of Tides? Yeah, or Den of Tides. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's cool. Like the lighting, I mean, obviously it stands out from the normal just washed out blue it's got like it's more purple to match ursula but then it's got just the reds from the vents so it's like a very nefarious atmosphere Ooh. but also um, <clears throat> it has like an ambient noise of kind of like like the geysers like bubbling up sort of i don't, I don't know how to really describe it but it's like unique to this area and, and i think the next one and like the fish mouth or whatever but yeah, just a cool way to sort of ramp up the tension before the big bad. Uh, the the like random search ghosts also kind of I think kind of add to that ambiance because the search ghosts will only attack you if you go in their searchlight. Yep, for sure. So one thing I noticed about this world, which I think might tie into why people don't or find it annoying to trek through, is the save points are very spread out, which is pretty different for. Like, usually in a Kingdom Hearts world, like, you can get from one save point to another pretty easily, but there's no, like, one kind of, like, hub area where, like, oh, if I go to this save point, I can get to all the others pretty quickly. And, yeah, it's mm -hmm. kind of annoying. We're talking your starting area, Triton's Palace, and then Ursula's lair, I guess, or Den of Tides, really. Mm -hmm. Like, I always assume that Ursula's Grotto, or Ariel's Grotto, would have one. But then, like, whenever I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, it doesn't. But, like, what, mm. I feel like that would make a ton of sense because that is kind of, it's kind of in the middle of the map. Like, it's yeah. it's close to yeah. Triton's Palace. It's close to the ship. It's close to the valley. Or, hell, even the, the Undersea Garden. Like, make that useful. <laughs> Slap a save point. <laughs> Hashtag make Undersea Garden useful. But also, Arrow's Grawl is the closest thing we have to a hub slash recurring area besides Triton's Palace. Yep. Like, we go there, I think, like for story reasons three or four times yep it's you know very much like aladdin's house like why wasn't that just a save point but 
whatever. We get one right before the fight, so you can use that. I guess I, I noticed it because I'm going heavy with the magic, so like, it's nice to have those little pit stops to fill up your MP, but they're, exactly. they're few and far between. Better, better actually carry those ethers. Yeah, except ethers don't really get you a whole lot. You, I, I used an <laughs> elixir too for the first time in this world. <gasps> just, just to top off. So, um, yeah, our preparations are complete. So let's let's take on this boss. It's. it's Spinny spinny time with Ursula and the Eel Boys. What do we what do we think of Ursula version one as a boss fight? <sighs> I think the boss fight for the idea, I think is mm-hmm. A. Yep. I think execution is like maybe a B minus. Yeah. C plus. I, I can definitely get on board with that for sure. So yeah, it's cool how you specifically have to use magic, because one, it kind of fits with kind of how the world's been kind of pushing you to fight um, the whole time but also it fits in with Ursula because she's a witch um, mm-hmm. the game is not really clear about what you're supposed to be doing so I and I'm sure most people assume that okay when Ursula starts casting a potion or whatever you know the cauldron will turn blue or red so your brain sees color and then thinks oh must match color or you know must do the opposite of color so if you see fire you would think oh then i should use blizzard to like counteract it right yeah but nope the color has has no bearing on which spells you should cast it only determines uh which attack the cauldron will use so i think fire causes like the explosion one where all the fireballs spurt out and then blue um causes the like uh, sea tornadoes. Yep. But really, you just need to keep casting any magic spell you want on it. So exactly, yeah. It always confused me as a kid because I always thought like, oh, like, like I wasn't sure if I had to do the corresponding or opposite color to the cauldron. So then I would start with one, and then it wouldn't really get me anywhere. So then I'd start doing the other, and then I'd worry like, oh no, am I like, am I like counteracting it? You know what I mean? Like, it's very yeah. much. Am I am I fighting against myself? In this yes. fight, it's very much twin rova logic from Ocarina of Time, where you will absorb the ice or the fire in your shield, and then if you get hit by the opposite element, it'll like lower your shield level. Oh, that's yeah. such a good boss fight. <laughs> but anyways, just keep hitting it with whatever spell. I had pretty good MP, so it took me like eight fires to pop off the cauldron. <laughs> And yeah, then... it takes a while to do that. I, I, will, I yeah. before I forget, I I did switch to Spellbinder for this fight because Ugh. it is heavily needed. But Ooh. yes, the eels are there for you to um, chip away at to get some more MP. But yeah, definitely mm-hmm. want to stock up on ethers and elixirs to get you through this one. Definitely, I used ether maybe once or twice. But whenever Flotsam and Jetsam would come up, I would just beat the everlasting crap out of the eel just to keep like a constant MP. Yeah, totally. Going in the back of my mind, every time the eels had an HP bar, I'm like, I'm going to smack you. Yeah, you definitely want to be careful. You know, like, mind your positioning with them, because when you're casting, you're pretty vulnerable, and then they can just whack you, and they, they can hit pretty hard. Um, mm-hmm. So again, the arrow is a must for this fight, I would say. And yeah, other than that, you really just have Ursula's big uh, spinny move. The ha 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 ha
burned into your brain. That can also be pretty deadly if you're not careful. If you get trapped in a corner and she's Beyblading you to death, you will die. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think like three cauldron blasts will do it. Because I think the, the blasts themselves do damage to Ursula. I've definitely had it before where like, I'll just take her out without hitting her. Like the blast itself will finish her off. This is, I think this is the first time I recalled that happening. I feel like every time uh-huh. before this... I would actually like get her HP down, yeah. but that was also me being this is this is definitely uh, a bit of ignorance and like I'm going to blast the cauldron, but also just smack Ursula, and just put up with it. Like especially when I was younger. Yeah, because the trade off is you know if you're using a lot of magic, you're not your attack isn't as high. So then like following up with like physical hits on her after she stuns, like you're not gonna get very far with that. So. I almost wonder if the fight, like, by default will end after you hit the cauldron, like, say, four times, maybe? Like, I yeah, wonder if, like, I that's a that, trigger. I think so, because it happened, and maybe it's a certain amount of times, or maybe if you activate it beyond a certain HP threshold, maybe? Could be yeah. another, another thought process to the design mm-hmm. of it. But, yeah, this is the first time I, I very vividly remember getting a cauldron blast off. Looking at her, she had some health. But the fight did end in my favorite. It's very satisfying. And yeah, Ursula just being a straight queen. Like, I love her reaction when, like... I guess it's very similar to in the movie how she reacts when Flotsam and Jetsam are taken out. But um, she's just like, oh! (laughs) (laughs) Y'all pay for this! And then she just flees. (laughs) Exactly. Alright, so now that we have a mermaid kick, you can pass through the giant current to get through, I think, the only area in Kingdom Hearts 1 that doesn't have a name. It's just... question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, so here's the thing. Have you tried going back here after the boss fight? Like, can you just go back to this void of an area? The um the entrance is caved in. It's just a bunch. Okay. It's just a pile of rocks. It's inaccessible. Yeah, and, and you and you uh you can't. Well, you can pause, but there's no out of combat pause to check the area name. So correct. So I yeah, think just... I think I've heard of like you know like using debug stuff. I think this does have a name actually, but like obviously you can't mm. see it in game. But I think it might have something. I just forget what the name is on my, off the top of my head. But yeah, we have attack on a 40-foot or 40-story, I guess. Ursula, she's she's a giant octopus. She's a biggin'. <laughs> the Gigantamax form, as you wrote in the notes. <laughs> so, very much like the, um, the Ursula fight in the movie, which, by the way, that fight is not nearly as exciting as I remember it. Same. Like, she turns big... Which is awesome, but then she gets taken out really easily, <laughs> like almost instantly. It's not a, it's not as good as Ursula's Revenge. I'm just gonna say that. <sighs> yeah, because in that one, he like uses the trident as a harpoon to take her out, which is like way cooler than just you know, just ramming her with like the bow of the ship. Yeah, I guess I remember that being much more exciting. But anyways, I I do think it's more exciting in Kingdom Hearts. In fact, I think this is one of the coolest fights in the game. And I understand... Big Ursula? Hmm. It's... I think it depends, really. Like, it is... It's one of the few roadblock bosses, definitely. Like, I feel like it's one of the ones that definitely... At this point in the game, especially if you... Especially also someone doing a first playthrough... It's def- oh, yeah. It definitely throws you off at first, uh, and it's one of the tougher ones. Yeah, like the, uh, that's probably why I like it so much, just having that memory of struggling with it for so long and then finally beating her, just 
really feeling like an accomplishment. Yeah. But, I mean, just the spectacle alone. There are a lot of giant bosses in Kingdom Hearts, but I feel like she might be the biggest. Just in terms of scale. I don't know. But in any case, you're literally a small fish in a big pond. (laughs) And, yeah, it's the first time you get this music track, which I I couldn't tell you what it is, but again, it's probably playing right now. Ooh, it's playing right now! (laughs) But yeah, it just, like, really, it's... In a word, epic. (laughs) And it's also one of the ones um, that would play in, like, the sizzle trailer on the menu when you leave it idling for too long. So, yeah, it's just, like, this really iconic moment of, like, Sora really going toe-to-toe with the ultimate evil. Mm -hmm. I always like it, and I I do think it's fun. Um, Definitely tricky if you don't know what you're doing. But again, Arrow is your friend. I mean, pretty much any fight, slap on an arrow, you're going to be good to go. (laughs) It helps here a lot. Yes. It's kind of a battle of attrition, to be honest, because you have very few windows of opportunity to actually hit her. Yep. So first of all, I mean, just on merits of battle quotes alone, this is one of the best fights in the game. (laughs) You look very tasty. (laughs) Ooh. Very tasty. The inhale move, I'll say. <laughs> so you want to just mermaid kick to till your friend can't kick no more to avoid that uh, getting chopped up. Exactly. <laughs> Which is, I guess, the reason I do... I The boss fight is a pain in the booty, but the fact that you get to use your... I mean, you just use mermaid kick to get through the t- current to get here. Yep. The fact that you, I mean, there's only boss fight you're ever going to use it. Yeah, totally. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you do get to, you should be utilizing it, is, uh, it does get uh, little brownie points, in my opinion. Yep, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one's tricky because you want to swim fast enough to avoid it, but then kind of slow down toward the end so you don't just peel off when she stops. So you can mm-hmm. get close in while she's recovering to get some hits off. Exactly, yeah. She's got, get ready for this. When she does the bubbles, they're pretty easy to avoid. I don't say easy, but... Yeah, just don't be in front of her, really. If you know the audio cue, yeah, just swim to the back of her head. Usually that's where you want to be, right? Just kind of nuzzle up, you know, to her shoulder and her little... Her neck flesh. And then you can kind of get caught on that. Yeah, I was about to say, just just try to get caught in that neck fat and you'll be fine. (laughs) But yeah, you want to be whacking her in the back of her head. Because yeah, most of her moves come from her face. Uh, she's got the big laser attack. It's one of those that hits you hard, but pretty easy to avoid if you know it's coming. And that, mm-hmm. that one's a good one, because if you're behind her, it lasts a long time. So, uh, And you'll, you'll be safe as long as you're behind her head, so you can keep hitting her. So you can get a, a good amount of damage while that one's popping off. Yeah. I think the only other fight, which is her attack, is when she's kind of like getting low on HP... I guess you could say it's her desperation move, but it's, uh, mm. this won't be pretty. Be pretty! <laughs> and to do, like, a big thunder. A thousand lightning bolts from Zeus himself to rain down upon the insignificant fools. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just just swim away <laughs> when that happens. Yeah, I definitely was, like, muscle-membering the, the hell out of this one. Yep, I, I definitely just tap like a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, half arrow and pick a god and pray it's the uh, the opposite of the uh, swallow move basically yeah definitely but then she has the passive lightning bolts that will just 
show up wherever, basically. So that's definitely the deadliest, the deadliest move, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They basically hone in on you, so you always have to be on the move, and you don't really have time to get off a full combo. Like usually, if you land a finisher, you're gonna get hit by lightning. So, yep, that's why you want arrow on at all times, because you will more than likely get hit. And if you want the fight to get over quickly, you pretty much just want to tank through it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a tough fight, but very 100%. satisfying when you do win. And I have to say, when you do beat her, her like death animation is very graphic. <laughs> is it like the movie where she kind of just like collapses into an abyss? Yeah, but the movie is different because she like... Really, in the movie, you just see the tentacles um, grasping onto the ship and then pulling that down, which is also mm-hmm. you know, a pretty cool kind of macabre image. But um, and this one, yeah. she doesn't have a ship, so you basically just see her like, you know, crying in pain. <laughs> she's like, ah! She's like choking on the water, and then she like slowly sinks into like her own ink, and like you can see like her hands sinking in like that's kind of the last bit of like her actual body but then mm-hmm. like you see the tentacles flailing and yeah it's it's a lot yeah <laughs> but yeah you, you you done good you beat her and then you get a thundara or a thunder upgrade to reward you for it so all is well triton realizes he needs to pump the brakes a little and he tells ariel like oh it's all good fam Keyholes in your grotto. Why don't you go take care of it? And then. But daddy, how do we? Oh, oh sorry. She's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. She tells him where the keyhole is, and she's like, but daddy, how are we gonna get to it? Or no, no, no. She does say like, where is it? And she's like, you've known all along, child. Yeah. <laughs> you should know better than anyone. It's in your grotto. <laughs> yeah. I do like this keyhole though. Um, like the little water plate i guess you could say like that's a cool effect and that just turns into bubbles which is very satisfying yes <laughs> is it it's it's not like on a surface it's just like kind of floating there or remember yeah yeah, yeah yeah it just okay. emerges it, of itself yeah it is kind of the first one we've seen so far at least that's one of not if not only the one that's like it's not like literally on a wall yeah or attached to the floor or on an object it's kind of just Yep. Uh, ethereal. A little exactly. Bit. So, yep, we get the crab claw. It's uh, it's the first good, well, I, I shouldn't say good magic one, or I'll incur your wrath, but it's got a good balance of more magic while not being uh, behind in terms of physical attack either. Yeah, it's really cool. So, at this point, it's the strongest keyblade tied with three wishes, but it also has, yeah, that extra MP. So, it's pretty good utility wise for sure. Um, mm mm-hmm. I don't know about its extra stuff like, you know, crit rate and uh, recoil, but I'm, I'm sure they're average. But yeah, I obviously anytime MP's involved, I'm going to give the, I'm a little more biased toward the Keyblade. But um, <laughs> in terms of design, <laughs> I know this Keyblade is probably as divisive as Atlantic of the World itself. I know a lot of people think it's stupid. Personally... I embrace the stupidity. I love that it's so ridiculous that the teeth is just a giant crab. The people actively dislike crab claws. I don't think I. I don't think I'm in love with crab claw. But crab claw's never been a bad one, in my opinion. In terms oh, of when I'm was. looking at lists of like favorite keyblades, I always see crab claw as like people's least favorite. 
or like ugliest. I mean, it's color. pretty blue. Okay, let me let me uh, let me ex- let me examine closely. Yeah, took a um, So I'll say I actually that particular shade of blue, like the lighter blue, is probably my favorite color. Actually, so I'm already biased, biased. towards uh, in that regards. And I mean, I like the so I like the hand guards. They are like mermaids. See, I, I actually don't like the hand guards. <laughs> uh, the end of the the end of the the weapon itself that not the teeth which is a crab which i'm fine yeah. with it does try to emulate the like ocean waves yeah but it does come like off looking pretty pretty meh uh i still like it it, remi- it literally reminds me of the kh2 version mysterious abyss because it literally has like you know the waves are literally yep. the end of the keyblade and most out people like that. don't like that ki- that keyblade either well for various reasons that's not a great keyblade but I- i've never disliked croc claw i can say that much i don't think it's a i don't think it's a top tier design but it definitely falls in like the the good to great range personally for yeah me. yeah like i i like the contrast of the orange and the blue like i think that's just really nice the problem is mm-hmm. the main problem and why i don't use it is because the next world is halloween town and this keyblade stands out horribly in halloween town <laughs> yeah i guess that's a fun bit for me but yeah like, I, I can't ignore it. <laughs> like, it's just so bright and just so out of place. It clashes so much. Yeah, exactly. And it's got, like, the, like, adorable, like, bubble sound effects. <laughs> and it just, it doesn't work, sweetie. In Halloween Town! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I never really use Crab Claw because, yeah, I'm very particular. And plus, you know, I still want that extra MP from Spellbinder. So, yeah, I, I like it, but I just don't really use it so yeah that wraps it up for atlantica so overall thoughts um yeah like i mentioned earlier very similar to monstro um i personally think this world is fine uh slash i even enjoy it but it's it's definitely not one i want to keep going back to i can see that 100 percent. i i I mostly appreciate that they went there (laughs) Like, they actually tried, and you can definitely see that, like, you know, this world definitely stands out. And, mm-hmm. you know, it lays the groundwork for worlds like Pride Lands and, like, all the different experimentation they'll get into in later games in terms of, like, changing your moveset, sort of. Yeah, like, it's just cool to see something so different, like, right out the gate. You know what I mean? A hundred percent, definitely. Like, I started the world. I guess I, I made a conscious note this time to be like, <laughs> let me take off guard. <laughs> I'm not sure if I've ever, ever actually kept it on in the past, but I was like, all right, world start and guard comes off now because you can't use guard. Yep. And that's 2 AP and treasure magnet is 2 AP. Uh, treasure magnet is a must have in this world. I yeah, mean, it's just, very handy for sure. Yes. In ever the world where you just roam around, you run around, you know, you can run into the prizes and grab what you need. But the fact that your movement is a lot slower in Atlantica, I think Treasure mm-hmm. Magnet helps a lot in terms of trying to grab all the things. And also because they sink a little bit, too. So yeah, if you're not yeah. careful, you could miss, like, an item drop, and then it falls to the bottom of the ocean floor. And then it just is like, I guess you don't love me. Bye. And we've come to the end of our show. This is episode 10, Atlantica. Kevin's computer is having issues, so you're stuck with me for now. <laughs> Uh, but as always, thank you for listening to Kingdom Hearts by Heart. 
If you, for whatever reason, need to reach out to us, you can always do so at khbhpodcast at gmail.com. That's khbhpodcast at gmail.com with any interesting questions you may have for us. I don't want to constantly turning into the count from Sesame Street, but I am. It's, uh, it's genetic. Don't worry about it. You won't catch it from me. Um, but, again, can never thank you guys enough for listening. And tuning to episode 10, 11. I was about to say episode 10. We just did 10. 11 is going to be Halloween Town, a particular favorite of a certain spooky ghoul who may also be a co host of this show. Uh, and it's not me, so there's your, there's your hint. Uh, but other than that, thank you guys for listening. We'll tune in next week to the Gummy Ship and away. <laughs> Bye. Bye.